0: Welcome to BDO Talks ERISA, a monthly podcast recorded live at BDO. Each month, we'll be talking best practices around all things ERISA, how to avoid common compliance issues, how to navigate the tricky ins and outs of ERISA's fiduciary provisions, and discussing our own experiences working for BDO's ERISA Services Group and the insights we share through the ERISA Center of Excellence. Be sure to rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes or Spotify. Let's get started.
1: Welcome to another podcast of BDO Talks ERISA. Thank you for joining today. I'm Beth Garner, the National Practice Leader for BDO's EBP Audit Group, and I am one of your co-hosts for the episode. Up uh, with me today is Joanne Zutka, and she's a partner in our BDO ERISA Center of Excellence. Hey, Joe, how you doing? I'm good, Beth. How are you? Doing good. Excellent. What are we talking I mean, about today? Well... We're here today to talk about cybersecurity once again. Um, And I'm just going to quickly do like a quick short version of why we're talking about this topic again, again. But, you know, we told everybody before about the new cybersecurity guidelines. Yeah,
2: actually, we had a previously we had a podcast on cybersecurity and talked about those new cybersecurity guidelines from the Department of Labor. And we just wanted to expand on that topic from a security infrastructure standpoint. As we stated before, the guidelines from the Department of Labor um, were targeted at plan sponsors, plan fiduciaries, record keepers, and plan participants, and they came in three forms: tips for hiring a service provider, cybersecurity program best practices, and online security tips. We previously discussed cybersecurity programs at a high level.
1: So I feel like if they're listening to you know this podcast first, then they can go back and listen to the other one, but if if they've listened to it, then they have a base knowledge. You know, I think we're ready to introduce our our, our guest today. So we have Steve Combs with us today. Steve is a managing director in BDO Digital's cloud security infrastructure practice. Steve has over two decades of technology operations experience. He focuses on helping clients with their security, compliance, and identity, SCI, leveraging Microsoft's tools, including Microsoft 365, cloud-based security software, and data center um, applications. Now, I did a little snooping about him. Okay. He has degrees in chemistry and biology and a master's in organic chemistry. I'm not sure that we're worthy of the smart brain cells from him. Um, I barely made it out of biology in college, and I did not even attempt chemistry after that. So, Steve, thank you for joining us today. I'm
3: glad to be here. Thanks for having me.
2: All right, so Steve, obviously, Beth, you know, did a little investigating and she shared what you majored in in college, but why don't you tell us something else about you, uh, personal, that you'd like our listeners to know?
3: Yeah, um, I am love to travel, and um, I am off this uh, holiday season to Guaza Falls in Argentina, and wow. it is uh, the largest waterfall in the world, so it tops the Niagara Falls, so I'm super excited about that.
2: Oh, that sounds amazing. It now, does. Do, do they have um, boats to go view the falls like they do in Niagara Falls?
3: Yeah, smaller. But, yeah, it's uh, it, you can go right up to it and you have to wear a raincoat and um, – So, yeah, it's you and then you can hike all around it and there's it's a kind of a tropical environment. So there's a a, a variety of animals and fauna there should be should be an experience. It's a 10 hours down south to Argentina from Houston, Texas, where I am. And then another two hours back north into uh, the uh, area right there, Brazil, Venezuela and uh, Paraguay.
1: Nice. Very interesting. I'm jealous. But I mean so thank you for being here today. Yeah. You know, we always like to have a fellow BDO professional on our podcast to help our listeners, you know, understand a topic such as this. But you know, really this security infrastructure, I think, is a neat topic. So I'm, I'm excited to hear about it. So the department outlined a cybersecurity program best practices. And it has 18 items outlined for plan sponsors to consider when hiring their service providers of their retirement plans. Now, obviously hiring, but there's also things you should do from a standpoint of service providers that you already have. Hey, Beth, real yeah. quick.
2: Let's take it down. There's not 12. There's a, there's not 18, there's not 12, there's only six in the guidance. Okay. Um, so Steve, this list obviously contains the six items that they, serve, uh, plan sponsors have to consider when hiring a service provider. But let's back up and actually talk about service agreements for already existing service providers. Um, what we see when we're going out and we're auditing is a lot of times these service agreements with trustees, custodians, record keepers, um, they're not renewed like our engagement letter is on an annual basis. Some of them may be a few years, maybe a decade old, um, and so I think some people, some listeners, may go, "Well, I'm not hiring a service provider. I have my existing service provider." Um, what should they be looking in those contracts if they're not up to date and kind of been re-signed now, giving this new guidance? Because right a decade ago or 15 years ago, cybersecurity wasn't always built into an agreement.
3: Right, it's a it's a good question. So as they're looking at the at their service providers, they wanna make sure that they have at least some um, comments in the agreement or some requirements in the agreement for the service provider to provide cybersecurity services. Uh, the The biggest one is going to be is uh, the service provider might have PII data and they need to make sure they're telling the customer, how that data, that personal identifiable information (PII), is is protected, and what um, what per, what parameters they're taking there, and and um how, and they need to make sure that that's covered. The second thing is is I would expect to see um, some type of notice from the service provider that if there is a request for cybersecurity standards or assessments, that they can reach out. Um, It's almost a standard process today that um, uh, a service provider that's holding personally identifiable information to be able to um, show that they have the necessary standards and procedures in place to to protect that data.
1: So, you know, Steve, when a retirement plan is set up, there's obviously this payroll system at the company. And, you know, it's got to speak to the retirement plan system, you know, external at a trustee or custodian. And this is done by and obviously this is very basic, plain English here, but this is done by uploads and files being sent back and forth to handle you know all these participant transactions. So from a structure standpoint, you know where would you see a possible weakness at and in, in setup and then sorry, I'm giving you a two step. Uh, question: You know, what if a plan sponsor has not analyzed any of weaknesses or gaps in their systems? You know, what should they do?
3: Yep. So I'll I'll uh, try to answer the first one. Um, so the the first one. So supply chain attacks. Um, and what I mean by supply chain attacks is the service provider ultimately is you know providing a service to the customer, and um, they have connectivity from or to that customer. And this is a very, very common attack that's become popular over the last four or five years. Um, So that connectivity outside of the customer's environment to the service provider um, is a huge weak point for them. They, uh, They really need to make sure that they're using proper encryption, that they have monitoring in place, and ideally they have some checks and balances uh, that the data was sent in, in the same state upon arrival. And there's different tools out there to do that. Um, but that is a, the first thing, is to make sure that that, da- that data connection, whatever that ETL, that electronic transfer um, uh, is being done with, whatever technology, most commonly the service provider gives the customer um, custom service or a custom application that provides the service, the data to go back and forth, that 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 application is built to certain specs. Encryption is going to be the most important. Um, So that's hopefully answers the first one is to make sure that 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 they really the customer really does their due diligence on that connection because it is a huge weak point. Um, And that's a very common attack. The second question um, where are the weaknesses? the weaknesses there is is now they there is a connection from the service provider potentially into their network, and that needs to be contained in what I'll call a, a, in, a in a demilitarized zone within the network, uh, an area of the of the, the customer's network that doesn't um necessarily have connectivity to everything else. It's uh, cordoned off into an area um, that, you know, other uh, vendors might connect to, but have very strict controls and security in place. So hopefully that uh, that addressed those two uh, questions.
2: Yeah. So I'm going to try to break it down into plain English if I understand this, because IT is not my strong point. <laughs> um, but Right. If God forbid, um, the connectivity, which you said is is the huge weak point, if something gets in from the service provider and gets into the plan sponsor, you want to make sure that it's only limited to um, that part of their system, or do you also mean maybe just to the individual? like certain individuals in the company, right? When when we're looking and we're doing the audit, and let's say we're talking to payroll, not everyone in the company has access to payroll, but you would want to see it limited just to the payroll information. So then maybe it's not going into the general ledger or the bank right. or something of that nature.
3: Yep. you want to so absolutely uh so to to uh simplify that and and uh it's sometimes it's difficult with the technology is to uh to make the put it in a little plainer English but I always kind of look at this as a walled as a is I'll give you an example I always look at it as a walled garden um what you want to do is you want to make sure that your most Critical information is protected by a wall. We'll call it the, 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 the network uh, is, is, the, is the garden. We wanna make sure that we, we protect that with a wall. And what ends up happening in the IT business is that you end up building a lot of walls around different segments of the business. So there's segmentation to the network. And so you have multiple gardens of data that um, only certain people have access to, and you can put really good visibility or monitoring into those walls, so you know what's coming and going. Could be down to the individual person, typically it's done more to the data set. Right. And, and so, it, and then that data set, only certain people have access to it internally, and then the vendors have access uh, through a specific control mechanism.
2: Right. And we will thank you for that. That clarifies a lot of it with the secured garden, because, right, we're talking about the retirement plan, and that's a benefit that the company is giving to their employees. But then we also know that a company has customer information and yeah. um, proprietary information, depending on if they're a manufacturer and, and maybe what their product is um, that they're offering. Okay. So we do think that plan sponsors should should think about, just like you did, the impact of an actual cyber attack, right? Because when you think about it, they're dealing with two different service providers, right? It could maybe possibly come in from the payroll service provider and the retirement plan service provider. And so we know that there's lots of different reporting requirements you just mentioned earlier about PII. Uh, but sometimes plan sponsors not only, don't necessarily know about a breach. And I hate to say that we've actually seen this, especially on some of the Um, service providers, um, they tried to limit who needs to know if they've had a breach. So I guess like, can you kind of briefly just explain how do the reporting requirements work? Yeah, let's just say for this case, a payroll provider has a breach, right? They would have to notify all of their customers. Um, Is it over a certain threshold? Is it over depending on what state you're in?
3: It is state dependent um, and it does uh, it creates some interesting scenarios out there because uh, the service provider might be located in Florida and the plan sponsor might be in North Dakota and it's going to be based on the Florida laws. Um, there are some um, uh, items that will carry a little bit more national and I say that loosely um, but uh, it's almost always tied back down to the state. Um, now, my experience has been, as this goes back to your original question, is that you wanna make sure in, the notif- in your agreement you have with your service provider that you do have that notification of, of breach or cybersecurity incident in your agreement, so you are notified in case it does cross across uh, uh, different uh, regulatory boundaries.
2: And so, I would imagine um, just what we're seeing with the the landscape of working, right? Some companies, and and ours is is no different than anyone else. We have employees in like every different, almost every state. So, I mean, we have a lot of individuals that are, you know, where you are living in Texas, but maybe the company is headquartered in Florida, right? And then that service provider's in Georgia. So you could see how you know it almost multiplies how quickly all the requirements or the states that may need to be notified.
3: Yeah, okay. it's it it creates it creates some interesting dilemmas um uh in every state's a little different. Um the federal government is trying to provide some some guidance there, um, but there is uh, ultimately you you want to make sure that you've got that that protection with your service provider in your agreement that you're notified and that um, state boundaries, uh, other regulatory boundaries, don't hinder you.
1: Are you allowed in that agreement to say what state law,
3: or, or
1: is that not how the role? I don't. I,
3: yeah, and and I'm not Steve,
2: sure what I was just going to say before you answer that. We know that you're not legal counsel.
3: Right.
1: Okay. I know that was totally a legal question when, you know, I have to tell our clients all the time. I'm not legal. Yeah. So let's let's talk about, you know. Take it a step further, essentially. And like a dork, I was researching cyber attacks and. I know, I can't believe everything on the internet, um, but interestingly enough, this this website said fact-checked, but it did, that's all it said. But I'm just gonna throw this stat out there. So cyber attacks happen um, once every 39 seconds. And then cyber crime costs the US economy are reported 3.5 billion each year. So to me, 39 seconds and how much, you know, it, it's costing. Plan sponsors obviously need to be, and I hate to say this, be ready for a cyber breach or some kind of cyber blip, something of the sort. Um, whether it's at their location or with one of their service providers. So just in general terms, you know, what should the plan sponsor do if the, if this does happen to them?
3: So let me uh, jump back to your stats real quick. I think that uh, I'm, it's interesting the dollar amount you mentioned. I think it's quite a bit higher than that. Um, I, I, the average breach is about $3 million. someplace mm-hmm. in that area, $3.2 million. I think it'd be quite a bit higher than the 3.5. Um, and And there's not really good data here because then you go back and you start to define a breach and you say, well, what's a breach? And, you know, most commonly companies are breached and don't even know it and the average detection right. time is over 100 days what? so it means that the the that the the attacker the the bad actor is in the environment for over 100 days before people even know it so and,
2: wait, Steve,
1: so, very you, very tall
2: yeah before you go further over 100 days to to find out that this hap- that this has happened
3: yeah that's the average
1: so, with, so which average means there's some that's a lot longer.
3: Yeah, a lot longer. And so th- th- it's in and the and Quite commonly, there are there are there are um, hacking groups. I'll just call them that. I mean, they're they're black hat groups that go out and their whole job is to get access. And then they turn around and sell that access. And so they're in there for, you know. A month or two, and then they'll sell their access on the open market to somebody else that wants to do something else. And they'll for sell sure. it multiple times. And um, and usually the way that the breach is found is because something starts running anonymous. I mean, uh, uh, not correctly. Some server malfunctions. Some uh, device malfunctions. But quite commonly, uh, the bad actors are in there for months at a time before folks know it's even happening.
2: Okay, so I think this question is going to end up being two parts as well, right? We know that most cyber attacks are due to human error, right? That we could be our own worst enemy, right? Besides like strong passwords, um, multi factoring logins, um, cyber awareness training, and the fact now that the statistic that you just gave, is there anything else that plan sponsors can do in place to combat this? Like, does it help if you change your passwords every every month, or if you update your firewall? Like, is there anything that plan sponsors can do to combat this?
3: Yeah, there's there's two things I probably would suggest there. So one is there's. Um, really good security monitoring services on the market today. Um, They're commonly uh, called MDR services or MSSP services, managed security uh, uh, solution providers or managed detection response providers. And what they, the best way I can describe this to you is it's like having, uh, um, you know, walking around with a blood pressure and a heart monitor on yourself all the time. It's just for your technology environment. It's 24 seven and it's always looking at your security posture, your security position in the, uh, you know, real time. So that's the first requirement. I think it's almost a requirement today. And there's, If you start to look at a lot of audits that are coming out um, by the government and by banks, they're asking that question. Do you have active security monitoring in place? So that'd be the first requirement and the suggestion I have. The second one is there's this concept of red team and blue team in the security world. Red team is the attacker. Blue team is the defender. I'm greatly simplifying, but that's the kind of the concepts and um us technology people like to make things really interesting we have a purple team and a purple team is is not only do you attack do a simulated attack but you actually watch the response and so the second one i would say is an, an very valuable be to go about uh, creating a, a a purple team exercise in your environment to see what attackers can do and how your systems respond and um, it's a very telling uh, engagement with a service provider that can um, tell you where your weaknesses might be. And it sort of um, gives you some good insight into where uh, you can make some changes and shore things up.
1: When you were describing it, I was thinking this is the equivalent of like a SWAT team going in training.
3: Yeah, exactly. It's, it's a, real,
1: real life stuff kind of yeah. going out. and so. Wow, I'm speechless. Me too. I like learned all kinds of stuff today. So I know that plan sponsors listening are going to be um, enlightened on on some things, and hopefully take it back to some, you know, their committees or some leadership in their company uh, to to help definitely look at this this these issues. So thank you for joining us today. We love having our podcast and talking about all of these things that are happening in the world and oh my goodness cybersecurity is definitely one of our top uh topics right now with all the issues um so thank you Steve Thank you
3: for having me I appreciate it
1: And uh so as you can tell we certainly love talking about retirement retirement plans and what is happening in the HR industry Our video Arista Center of Excellence on video.com touches on all topics retirement and other HR trends to keep plan sponsors up today.
0: Thank you for listening to BDO Talks ERISA. Past episodes and information about how to join us for our next live recordings are available at bdo.com slash BDO Talks ERISA. Or you can go to iTunes or Spotify to rate, review and subscribe. The views expressed by our guests do not necessarily reflect the views of BDO. For more information on BDO's ERISA Center of Excellence and the services we provide, visit BDO.com slash Arissa.